0: Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, literally wherever you get your podcast from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nolajake on Twitter, here with you all on this Wednesday, day after the Pelicans finish off their seventh game, there we go, in the bubble, losing to the Sacramento Kings, 112-106. We don't care about the score, but we will talk about the game because there are some performances that matter that make us think just a little bit. And then we'll get into one of those performances in the second half Jalil Okafor in the second segment I should say but what does it mean more for Derek Favors why wasn't Okafor getting some minutes we'll kind of take a look at that whole thing and I have a pretty damning statistic for Derek Favors one that I think is really important to look at in the grand context of how the Pelicans are building this roster in the second segment also we're going to look at kind of the energy and effort because it was different in this game what is going on there just a little bit we'll touch on that now it relates to the coaching staff and potential coaching change that's going to be coming and then finally we're going to wrap up talking about Brandon Ingram he's got a couple of comments on his future that make it sound like he's looking towards free agency does that matter I'll let you guys know in the third segment so let's dive into it all in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans so don't forget subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only podcast Monday through Friday, breaking down all the biggest topics around this team every single day for y'all. We've got something new, something to talk about when it comes to your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. So it was a 112-106 loss for the Pels here. No Zion, no Ingram, no Holiday, no JJ Reddick, no Derek Favors in this one. So no starting lineup other than Lonzo Ball, who did play in this one for New Orleans. For the Kings, you didn't get to see uh, De'Aaron Fox in this one either. So this was like a game that if you didn't want to watch, it's fine. We're going to talk about it because it was played. But frankly, like there's not a whole lot of value to try and take out of this one other than a couple of good performances that are just kind of worth uh, pointing out for the most part. So Lonzo Ball came out looking. The whole team came out looking with like they had a different energy than the lackluster effort and sense of urgency that we saw from the team in the first six games. Now that there's no expectations, no playoffs, any of that, and some different guys getting starting roles, they came out differently. We'll talk about what that means, why that's the case, and if we should read much into that with the coaching staff or not in the next segment. But Lonzo Ball came out, hit some shots, 16 points on the night for him, four of six from deep, five of nine from the field overall. It's the best scoring game, best shooting game, best overall game in the bubble in a game when it doesn't matter. It's a little disappointing that that's the case. He played it 30 minutes in this one. Jackson Hayes got the start at center. 4-4 from the field. Nine points on the night. Five rebounds, including one really strong rebound at one point, too. They need him to grow up faster than maybe he's ready for. If we're looking at holes on the roster next season, they need him to be that defensive presence. He's a big that you can put with Zion that could work in the starting lineup. He's got a strong touch around the rim. He's more mobile than Derek favors is. He can move and work in different ways. And if he develops an outside shot, he's going to be a very, very good player. Niccolo Melli, one of 10. Woof, that is not what you want to see. Josh Hart, one of eight, not much better, uh, I guess. But we're not worried about Hart. Melly, the shooting has been poor, and he played 25 minutes in this one. Ten shots is a lot. To go one of ten, not not what you what you want to see from him. Etuan Moore also in the starting lineup, 14 points. Cool, easy. The star of the night was Jalil Okafor, probably for New Orleans. Nine of 11, that's 82%. He grabbed four boards in this one and scored 21 points. We know he can fill it up. We know he's a good scorer, particularly when you're not playing against, you know, anyone of importance. And just lit up Alex Len, and Alex Len had no answer for him whatsoever. Alex Len shouldn't have any answer for Jahlil Okafor because Alex Len isn't a very good NBA player. There's no Rashawn Holmes for the Kings in this one, which might have made Okafor have a different kind of night. But credit to Okafor for not really having gotten any run during these seeding games, and then being called on to answer and did. Came in and played well. You can't ask for much more than what he gave them. I don't think he really should have been getting minutes during the uh, other seeding games. But others disagreed with me on Twitter. Uh, I'll explain why in the next segment. But look, this is a nice moment for him. He's playing for a contract. He better be playing hard when he's called on to do it. Also off the bench, Frank Jackson in 25 minutes of action. 8 of 11 from the field. 1 of 2 from deep. 18 points, 4 assists. He looked good in this. He's had a very, very good bubble. More decisive, a lot of confidence. He's ready to pull the trigger and shoot. Sometimes you need a guy like that. Off the bench is a right role for him. He's a strong individual defender. We've definitely seen that. Uh, he probably did some uh, a little bit of work here to improve his stock in the bubble, whereas others hurt themselves. So credit to Frank. Good game from him. Um, and yeah, there's not much else to say there. Two other guys we need, three other guys we need to talk about. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, first nine points on the night, three of 10 shooting, six assists. He's going to be good. You see it. He does all of the things you want to see out of him. The results are not there yet. And the shooting is not there yet. He does have too many turnovers. He makes a few, his passes aren't pinpoint accurate like you'd like them to be. That'll all improve with time. He was the 17th overall pick. He didn't play a ton of minutes this year. He shouldn't be good right now. If his three-point shot starts to fall, if the shooting starts to fall, we'd think of him very differently because we like the aggression. We like the assists, and some of the very creative passes that he has and strong passes that he makes. The results will come by doing the right things properly. He's doing all of those things properly. I'm still very high on his future, and I see him being a rotation player next year. Kenrich Williams in this one, four points on the night. He played 18 minutes. Did all of the usual Kenrich Williams things. The rebounding, um, just playing, you know, good off-ball defender. He just gives you nothing offensively. Doesn't even want the ball in his hands, really. Doesn't feel comfortable there. Doesn't seem like he wants to kind of take steps towards the rim. I just don't know what you do with a guy like that. If he had a reliable three-point shot and was willing to shoot, great. We can talk about this. He, you know, in this game against the Kings, when you could have the green light and just to do what you want with the ball and no one would have faulted him and he didn't that say not anything that great. It's a shame because I really want to like the guy. Sindarius Thornwell, on the other hand, did have a pretty good offensive game. He finished with seven points on the night going one of one from deep three of five overall Had three assists, two rebounds. Just kind of played decent defense and just did a lot of things right offensively like what do you want to see out of know, the guy I'd like to see him get more minutes in the final game. So there you go. That's really all there is to it in this one. Not much to take away from. This is essentially an exhibition game with none of the stars playing, none of the stars playing for the Kings, but nice to see some good performances particularly from Okafor. Let's talk about that and coaching and effort and motivation coming up here in the next segment. Before we do that, though, make sure to start your morning with the news that matters in just 10 minutes with the Axios Today podcast. Axios Today host Dyla Boodoo and a team of award-winning journalists will bring you the latest analysis and insight into the trends shaping our world. Go check it out wherever you get your podcast from. Today's show is brought to you by my bookies. Say it with me now. Sports are back. I've been waiting for this day. You've been waiting for this day since March. Now we've got the NBA MLS wrapped up, baseball's underway, hockey's underway, football, at least in the NFL, is coming. I've just got sports on my mind alongside my bookie. My bookie is a home run, slam dunk, triple overtime, game winning shot, all wrapped up into one. I love it. You love it, and that should be all you need to hear in order to start betting today. My bookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all of your favorite teams, and with the uh, NBA playoffs starting up, baseball in full swing, there's never been a better time to start playing. With my bookie, it's easy—you bet, you win, they pay. If you're feeling good about your team's chances this year. Saints offense might be the best they've ever had. Be sure to check out my bookies future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season even begins. But why stop with NFL Basketball, baseball, smart bettors are always looking towards the future. In that case, it means betting on basically everything. You can do Formula One even. I'm a big fan of that. MyBookie is already accepting bets on your favorite NFL games. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today and my bookie will match your deposit 100%. Plus, they're going to toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. It's free money they're giving you right there. It's like you're already winning. All you got to do is enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. That's promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Remember, at my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. All right. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcast from. The only podcast coming to you guys Monday through Friday, breaking down everything you want to know about this team on a daily basis. Yes, the Pelicans are out of the playoffs, but there's still a whole lot to talk about. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Tell a friend about the show. Get them clued into Locked On Pelicans as well. So we've got two things to touch on in this segment. I want to talk about kind of coaching and effort because you kind of saw at times a different look team for New Orleans because there were guys who were just trying and going out after it and all of that. And then I want to talk about Derek favors towards the second half of this segment because I've got a stat that I think is probably the most telling thing about why maybe the team needs to move on for him and juxtaposing it with how good job ja at least looked in the first half, even though I think we jumped the gun on that a little bit. And I think people are just kind of overreacting to have some fun too that it's worth bringing this up. But regarding the coaching and the effort from the team, and you saw guys like Frank Jackson, Keelan Alexander-Walker, Jackson Hayes, really come out and play well and like communicate on defense, even though there were a bunch of defensive miscues, but look like they just like gave a damn, right? Uh, Antonio Daniels said it well in the broadcast, playing hard is a skill, and they were showing off that skill in last night's game when the starters didn't really show that to you during this whole thing. And so you can point to it and just be like, see, it's the you know the the eternal debate we've had here in New Orleans is kind of like what 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 does gentry do for the team right is it a coach's job to motivate players or not is it an X's and O's things it's it's all of that there's no like one thing you can't rule anything out like if you think about it in your daily life your manager your boss is also there to motivate you but it's also on you just to do your damn job right. But there's times when they need more from you and they push you harder. Look, David Locke has done it to me here on the Locked On Podcast Network and it's made me a better podcast host. And so it is on a coach to do a lot of those things. So when you see the starters come out flat and then these backups come out, you can just kind of say like, no, see, these guys are motivated and they have the same coach as the starters do. It's not like that at all. And I think that's a gross simplification of this because you've got these players who are out there kind of playing for either future minutes in the NBA and just young guys who want to kind of go out and succeed and play well because that's what young guys do in Jackson, Hayes, and Nakeel. Or it's a guy like Frank Jackson or Jaleel Okafor who are playing for contracts. They're playing for money, not just like big money. You can understand why Brandon Ingram maybe doesn't play hard because he has a big money deal coming. But Frank Jackson and Jaleel Okafor don't have guaranteed big money deals. They might be looking at minimum contracts next year. And if it's minimum contract or nothing, you sure as hell want that minimum contract. That's going to motivate you plenty. I actually think Frank has played very well in the bubble and we'll talk about him maybe later in the week. But it's still a money is a motivating factor here for these guys. It's not like gentry got through to these guys but didn't get through to the others. It also could be that I don't think it's easy to just kind of boil it down to a black and white thing like people really want to do. And this isn't to defend Gentry or to kind of, you know, damn him here. And I do think the team needs to move on from him, but it's just different situations. I don't know how you can read that much into this and you shouldn't read that much into it. It is definitely on Gentry to motivate these players. It's also on the players to actually care and try because they're professional basketball players, just like professionals in any field do. So it's disappointing when those guys don't come out. But with it also being on the coaching staff, look, and it being on the players, if the coach isn't getting through to the guys, it doesn't mean you're just like, oh, whatever. You also want to try a different voice to see if that does reach them. And then maybe if that doesn't work, you move on from the players potentially too. So there's a lot of sides to this that I think people don't really want to look at kind of as a holistic thing, which is probably the right approach to it. And I don't think anything in last night's game really proves anything either way from it. Uh, But I do think those guys were out there playing hard because they have like money on the line, careers on the line versus the starters who didn't. And I think that's a big thing. All right, so on Derek Favors, we saw Okafor play well, and we were all having some fun on Twitter being like, where was Okafor's minutes during the bubble in the games that mattered? And look, if you saw how poorly Favors played during this, and at least how good offensively Jaw looked last night, then yeah, I, I get why you're saying that. But there's a couple of reasons why, and this is going to tie into something that's bigger. Ja gives you offense, but it's like low post offense, which is similar to what Derek Favors gives you, but doesn't do well without the ball. He's not a great screen setter. He's a decent enough rebounder, but his defense isn't there. And yes, the defense was bad with Favors out there on the court, but it absolutely could have been worse with Jalil Okafor out there on the court instead of Derek Favors. So it could have gotten worse, so I don't know if the argument, well, should have tried him, is really a thing. You could maybe argue that he should have had more minutes than Jackson Hayes, but I do think Jackson Hayes is a different type of offensive player that works a little bit better with the starters. With Jalil being kind of a, a low-post guy, you got to get him the ball. It means you're taking the ball out of Brandon Ingram's hands, you're taking the ball out of Zion's hands, and that's not what anyone wants. Also, there's still a spacing issue, which is the biggest problem when it comes to Derek Favors in this Pelicans offense. And that's the stat that I want to give you. So with Favors mucking up the offense, one of the things that can really be a big problem with this is our sight lines. Yeah, that's actually one of the biggest issues that the Pelicans kind of face when you have Derek Favors out there on the court. sight lines, in terms of referees in particular, when you have a situation where um, refs can't see what's going on down low. They don't call fouls. One of the reasons why I think you've seen fouls kind of go up during the bubble is because you just don't have one fans kind of influencing the refs, which I think is a very helpful thing. And two, you also can just see things a little bit easier. It seems like with everything kind of going on down low. And that's a big thing. Eric Gordon told me this when he played for new Orleans about the Rockets. One of the reasons they get so many foul calls is they're spread so wide If Harden drives and gets touched, refs see it and are going to call it and you don't have other bigs blocking everything. And you have that here. And you know what? The numbers bear it out. If you pull the Pelicans numbers with Derek Favors on court and Derek Favors off court, I don't think we should be surprised that the Pelicans shoot three fewer free throws per 48 minutes with Derek Favors on the court versus Derek Favors off the court. That's a really big deal. So they, per let me pull per 100 possessions, was kind of work out too with like the Pels pace and everything. But, you know, so about the same thing. So it's about three free throws less with him out there for a whole game. It, it might not seem like a lot, but that also means you're not getting the foul calls, which get you into the bonus or send Zion to the line and take advantage of one of the Pelicans just strengths, Zion, and the fact that no one can stop him. And so I think when you look at this offense and that he doesn't uh, fit a ton in there and you know they thought that they he had a lot to give in a fast-paced offense and I don't think we saw it and defensively he just seems sluggish out there for what the Pelicans are trying to do and there's also only so much rim protection a dude can do when you're getting blitzed constantly and out of position constantly because everything on the defense is bad but if it's gonna hurt you when it comes to free throws like yeah that's that's not anything you want here and I think that's a pretty damning statistic it's not necessarily his fault I think it's kind of a scheme, a fit thing. But also, I don't know if that would have gotten any better with uh, Jalil Okafor out there on the court instead. Maybe a guy like Jackson Hayes, if he ever develops an outside jump shot. Maybe Niccolo Melli helps with that uh, because he's a big that at least stretches the four. But there's a, a ton of other issues if that's the case with him. So it's just kind of one of those things where there's no great option for New Orleans when you've got to find the right big to pair next to Zion. This was an issue for the Pelicans with Anthony Davis too. You know, he's such a unique player that you have to find such a unique big to put next to him that it's not easy to do. And so when that's the case, like it can be tough. Melly hurts you because of the lack of shooting. He He's more of an outside shooter. He's not trying to get down low either. Um, but, The Pelicans still shoot one more free throw per game with him off the court than on the court, but that's still telling those numbers are a little bit closer to each other. So that's just another reason why I think that Derek Favors is someone the Pelicans really need to look at if they keep him or not keep him. But a guy the Pelicans are going to keep is Brandon Ingram. But does he want to be here? We've got his comments from his media availability yesterday, and I'll tell you what those were coming up here in just a moment. So the Pelicans are obviously going to look to bring Brandon Ingram back next year. He's a free agent. He's a restricted free agent. But sometimes you you run into a situation where if a guy doesn't want to come back, a la Eric Gordon, it can kind of be an, a nasty situation, even if the team wants to bring him back and they should bring him back, which is kind of the case here with Brandon Ingram. What is his thoughts on this? And he gave it to us. After practice yesterday at his media availability, he said, quote, yeah, I've seen a lot of New Orleans. I've been around a lot of good people in the organization and definitely will be a top choice for me to come back. Of course, it's going to be a long thought process in the offseason and figuring out where I want to be. But this uh, is definitely a special place with a lot of really, really good people and a lot of genuine people. So I'm enjoying where I'm at. He also went on to say, you know, in in regards to the Pelicans being a little bit more consistent uh, going forward, he says, quote, I think we'll take it into next year and we'll be all right. We'll be fine. I think we'll have no problem trying to make the playoffs or whatever it is. We'll be fine. End quote. Okay. So the first quote I gave you makes it seem like he's not sold 100% on coming back and he wants to go through free agency and do this whole thing. Right. And then the second part is just like, he knows he's going to be back here next year. The first part where he's like, yeah, you know, this is one of my top choices. I kind of wanted to be like, oh, that's cute. Brandon Ingram. Like you think you have a choice in this. To a degree, he does. He can say, I want to go to another team. But if the Pelicans want him back next year as a restricted free agent, he's back next year. And the Pelicans want him back next year. And I would not be shocked if they just make him an offer on the opening night of free agency. There's a reason for that. If you get him to verbally agree to a deal, you can just sign him later because you can go over the cap to sign him so there's some cap gymnastics you can do, whatever the cap ends up being, which makes a lot of sense. If he signs a restricted free agent deal elsewhere, you have three days to match it and then he's on your books. So you've got to get your free agent signings and any of those gymnastics done during that time. It just accelerates that time frame a little bit. And if the Pelicans want the most flexibility, well, you just basically have to make him that offer on the opening night of free agency. And I think that's probably the move and hope he says yes and doesn't want to get wined and dined and meet with other teams and all that. And he might, or just tell him like, go ahead and do that, but just don't sign a restricted free agent tender, basically. So I think part of it is he's just kind of doing the thing that everyone does when it's like your first time where you have a taste of free agency, even though he doesn't really. But I think the next quote just kind of says like, he knows he's going to be back next year and that's good. He should be back next year. He was great this season. There still leaves a little bit to be desired with him and Zion out there on the court, but I don't think that's anything that you can just say like doesn't work after, what, 24 games together, whatever it ended up being. And so I think when you see this, it's all good. He's going to maybe do some of the free agent stuff, but he's not going anywhere. I don't think anyone expects him outside of New Orleans next season. And they need a guy like this. He came up big for New Orleans against the Memphis Grizzlies. That was important. He at least took the shot and was willing to take the shot against the Utah Jazz, even if it didn't fall. And he's grown. He's grown a lot. And we'll see if he is the most improved player or not. He should be one of the top three. He is one of the top three for it. Easily could win, I think. So... This is the guy that you also build around with Zion Williamson. You know, Drew Holiday is great to have here, but everyone else is to a degree expendable. And this is really the Zion and Ingram show as it should be. And that's a really good, good foundation to have. A go-to scorer like that. And a guy who also can't be stopped. Zion didn't look great in the bubble, and he still was scoring on people like it was just the easiest thing in the world for him. But Ingram's going to be back. I think his comments kind of make it seem like he knows he's going to be back. And so all we're hoping for at this point is just that it's an easy process. That this isn't an Eric Gordon-like situation, that he doesn't sign that restricted free agent tender. And that whatever this offseason looks like, and look, we don't really know. It's just gonna be a whole lot easier for everyone involved if that's the case. So that's gonna do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Big thank you to my bookie for sponsoring today's show. Again, when you sign up, use promo code NBA. My Bookie, you bet, you win, they pay. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.